0: morning. I thought the trucks yesterday were bad. (laughs) Now we have other teachers above us helping us work on patience, helping us Helping us open to things the way they've come to be. This is exactly what we've been talking about the last couple of days. (laughs) The way things come to be are not necessarily the way we want them to be. The way things come to be are the way things come to be. (laughs) Sometimes they're awful. Really bad. So, I wanted to welcome the people who came today. And I want to um, tell you guys that other people have already been sitting for two days. This is the third day of our session. So, um, We've been doing very well with silence and we're making a very hard effort. So I want you guys to try to immediately join that silence and that stillness and that effort, support that effort. Because the third day, as you know, is oftentimes not pleasant in session. And the reason why it's not pleasant Uh, for most people. For some people this isn't the case. And if it isn't the case, great. Enjoy. But for most people, the third day is hard. The first day is new, getting used to it, you know, building up some concentration. The second day, there's enough stillness so that our karma begins to surface. And in the third day, even though we are making effort to be present, even though for the most part there's some inkling that what we're experiencing is not the truth, even though we're not fully bought in to the karmic emotion thought patterns that are happening. They're happening anyway, and they're difficult. They're really hard. And in the third day we make a decision, the third day, do we have the courage? Do we have the willingness to sit like a mountain in the midst. I was just um, talking with Greg, we were changing to uh, back into robes, and I was saying to him, like I've said to you guys before, you know, there'll be many people passing through our community most of them won't stay. Most people are looking for, you know, peace, experiences, bliss, union, things that are advertised as, you know, Buddhist, make me one with everything, that joke, you know? (laughs) What does a Buddhist want on a hot dog or something? Make me one with everything. <laughs> oh, you got it. <laughs> but maybe we advertise it incorrectly. Maybe it's our fault. You know what? What our practice is is about freedom from. <laughs> from the conditioned self, from identifying with the stories, the emotions, the body of the conditioned self. And like I keep saying, you have to see it clearly. And in order to see it clearly, unfortunately, you have to be it to see it. And as soon as it begins to get a little bit uncomfortable, most people leave. Which is fine. Because all I want is people to be happy. (laughs) I don't care if, you know, eating popcorn and sitting in front of the TV and watching three games of football in a row, it works for somebody, that's fine. You know, life is hard. If that's what a person, you know, needs to do to make it through, that's okay with me. But not so many people are going to sit in a room with people walking on the roof (laughs) with other people willing to be open to the emotion thoughts that they've mostly tried to to avoid. And sit there like a mountain and get beaten up for a while. But as I've said before, you know, the path goes right into the fire right through the fire and the third day of Sashin, it's hot in the zendo. So I wanted to talk about that was really neat. you know my mind went immediately this is, this is very interesting. my mind went immediately to well now my mind went somewhere else <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you the somewhere else come back. I was sitting in a um, Diamond Heart weekend retreat, Diamond Heart is from um, Almas, it's a very good way, very good path, and um, we were sitting in a small group talking and behind me there was a sound that I didn't recognize, and I felt myself go to the sound immediately and feel a little, somewhat agitated, and then my mind, I didn't turn around. But I watched my mind make up what the sound was. I decided that it was tearing of cardboard. I had no idea what it was. But once my mind labeled it, I relaxed. Because it wasn't unknown, it wasn't dangerous, it was in my box. Anyway, my mind just said, I wonder if that's a hammer dropping. So I wanted to um, talk today about the basic skill that, we, that I talk about a lot, called RAIN. I want to talk about it more specifically so that you guys hopefully get a, some support to keep going today and have a clearer idea. And I wanted to give credit where credit is due. Um, I was taught this by a woman, Michelle McDonald. I was at a three-month silent retreat at IMS up here on the coast, and I had two teachers. Everybody gets two teachers during that retreat. One of them was Sharon Salzberg, and we talked about emptiness and stuff like that. And the other one was Michelle McDonald, and with Michelle I talked about the emotions. And she is very good with emotions. She, like Issan Dorsey. I don't know if you know. Yesan Dorsey, He was priest at the San Francisco Zen Center. He was a queen in the fifties. Yeah. Wonderful man. He and she both have a very wide spectrum of what is, um, you know, it, what is acceptable with, you know, what not even acceptable, but just a wide spectrum of experience, of emotions, very wide. When I talked with her about anger, which I had a lot of, she talked about rage. And when I talked about embarrassment, deep embarrassment, she talked about shame and so on. And all of what I said and brought to her was accepted in a wide, wide heart. It was all acceptable. And so it helped me be with it. And she taught me this skill. She's also the person who started working with teenagers one of the very first people started walking with teenage, working with teenagers, and out of that, out of those two things, Diana Winston wrote the book *Wide Awake*, which I give to everybody. And it talks about rain, chapter eight. So Diana got it from Michelle. Also, this has been a very helpful teaching to many, many people. She still teaches right now. She's teaching. I think she's. She might be in Burma teaching. She co-founded the Hawaiian Insight Center with her ex-husband, Stephen Smith, anyway. The Buddha taught about one thing. He talked about suffering and the end of suffering. Basically, that's it forty-five years, and he got very skillful at it. And classically it's taught suffering in three ways, but the suffering that he was deeply interested in is basically this very quiet, comes up at night just before you go to sleep, You know, it's a kind of a very quiet discontent with life. Like, like, life is just not quite enough. K. Gary Roshi used to call it um, a ve- a, a, like a scream, a silent scream that's underneath everything. And most of the time we go around life trying to ignore that dissatisfaction and ignore the other emotions that are uncomfortable. And you see it, If I, I'm sorry to point to this, but you see it all the time in Park Slope, the way parents relate to their children. You know, you see a child crying on the street and inevitably the parent will come over and say, oh, no, 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 it's really okay, it's okay. They can't bear to be with the pain of their kid. But denying our difficult emotions kills something in us. It kills our authenticity. It kills our truth. So denial doesn't work. There's a story that Michelle tells um, about a butterfly. Somebody else spoke about this, I think, from South Africa. It was a true story. This woman was um, watching a butterfly come out of its cocoon. It's really hard for a butterfly to come out of its cocoon. I don't know if you've ever watched this, but it's a struggle. They have to really press against the cocoon, because, you know, they, this magic thing happens in a cocoon. They completely dissolve, and then they reconstitute as this butterfly. (laughs) It's magic. Anyway, it's really hard for them to get out of the cocoon. They have to really push against the cocoon. But this woman didn't know that. And so she took the cocoon and she tried to help the butterfly. And so she opened the cocoon so the butterfly can come out. And when she did, the butterfly came out, but the butterfly couldn't fly. Because it is in the struggle that the butterfly's wings develop the strength to be able to fly. So denying our um, difficult emotions doesn't allow us to fly, doesn't give us the strength. (coughs) There are four uh, traditional, very deep They're not really even emotions that are offered by the Buddha to um, soften our loneliness, to help give us courage of connection with our life and with other beings. They're called the Four Divine Abodes. It's loving-kindness, which is what we chant in the evening. It's a feeling of just wanting well-being for everyone, compassion, wanting people not to be in pain, sympathetic joy, which is joy in other people's success, in other people's happiness, and equanimity, which is a quality of mind that is open, and stable in the midst of both, you know, joy and pain, difficulty. And it's this sense of equanimity that mindfulness, the practice of mindfulness and being present, is developing. So that in the midst of our difficult emotions, we can be that mountain. emotions are sticky, they suck us into the storyline, and we become identified with them, and in that identification we're lost. When we talk about freedom, we're not talking about getting rid of anything. We're talking about having a mind of equanimity in the midst of the difficulty. The first thing that happens when we have a difficult emotion, or any kind of emotion, is we're totally bought into the story. And it's a way of really not feeling the emotion. So what's happening is not actually the emotion, it's the resistance to the emotion. And we have to really understand when this is happening. Because when resistance is there, we're not really feeling the emotion. When resistance is there, resistance is happening. So, you have to turn and be open to the resistance. Resistance is actually the most difficult part of an emotion because we're fighting with ourselves. In this fighting, we're not allowing ourselves to do the practice. And this fighting kind of reifies the emotion. So, the resistance is what needs to be turned toward. If we're resisting an emotion, turn toward the resistance. And do the practice with the resistance until the resistance is softened and then go back to the emotion. This is a real skill. It's the same kind of skill that when you're feeling emotion as sensation in the body, If it gets to be too much, instead of the sensations, go to the breath. And then let your attention go back to the sensations. Because some people have emotions that are literally painful. When I feel pain, deep pain, my throat chokes me. In two places, it chokes me here on the bottom, and it chokes me here on the top. So when I'm in pain, it's not like, it's not theoretical. It's actually literal. (laughs) And I have to lift my head and breathe into this area to see if I can find any space at all. And keep breathing until it begins to relax. Sometimes, when we're dealing with difficult emotions, we do the practice and we're really kind of proud of ourselves to do it, but there's this sense of, if I do the practice, I'm going to get rid of this emotion. And that's not really what happens, because it's still that resistance. It looks good, but it's still not effective. And then we think that we've dealt with an emotion and then it comes back and then we get kind of pissed. I've already been through this. I've been through therapy. I've done this. I've done that. And then it comes back. And then we lose our faith in the practice. But the practice is like a spiral. It goes around and around and around in my the way I think about it, it gets deeper and deeper. But each time it goes around and we deal with it again, there's more space there. So it's actually a good thing if it comes up again, because it's another opportunity for us to bring attention there, to work with the energy of that emotion, the sensations of that emotion. To be willing to be it, to allow the body to process it, to not identify with it again. When we get deeper emotions, when we get closer, the core something really interesting happens it gets much more difficult we think that the when we first start dealing with emotions that they're really hard and they are but actually they're at the beginning of the spiral and the reason why they're at the beginning of the spiral is because they're actually covering the deeper emotions. And what I mean by that is, is that the deeper emotions are the core identities of the self. And that's really what we're hiding from. Because when we begin to not identify with those emotions, and the stories around those emotions, the self is dying, and it will fight. It takes a very strong being-present muscle, very strong mindfulness, a very strong gentleness, willingness, courage, timing, sensitivity, to walk into that cave and meet that emotion, the ones that we're really identified with. I can let go of anger, but not I'm a failure. Because I am a failure. It's who I am. I'm not the anger, I can deal. I'm a failure. I'm not the rage. I'm the shame. When we start meeting the emotions that make ourself It's very hard, because when we don't identify and process them, there's a little death happening. And this is our freedom. That's why it takes a lot of skill. Because we have to open slowly with patience. We have to see if it's okay and then pull back if it's too much. willingness to be with these core identities that are fear, lack of self-worth, whatever the story is around that. This willingness is unconditioned love. When we begin to allow ourselves to really be who we really, really are and be still, unmoving, in silence, like a mountain, no matter what it looks like. Our twisted self our ancient, twisted karma, our demons. When we let ourselves see that deeply, our aloneness, our betrayal, our shame, our failure, who say to us, I wish you weren't here. Lineages of twisted karma. When we open to that, we are unconditioned love. Emotions have three parts. The first part is just sensations. When we really get good at doing this RAIN, we can feel those sensations, feel them in the body, let them pass through, not identify with them. We're free that since that, that emotion, what we call an emotion. there's nothing actually there but there's another level of emotion though that has sensations and then thoughts. We can still work with that. we can see the thoughts, we can feel the emotions, we can cut off the chattering mind, just stay with the arising of thought. We cannot identify with it. We are free. And then there's a level of emotion where there's sensation, plus thought, plus identification. And once we're identified, we're lost. That's okay. We sit there and we let ourselves get beaten up. Bloody. There is blood on the ground. We're patient. We wait. Then we get back on track and we try again. This is not a failure. This is the practice. So I've been saying the last couple of days I've been talking about surrender and resistance. Every time resistance comes up, it's an opportunity for us to just open to that resistance. Feel that. Let that go. And then go deeper. Surrender to what actually is happening be willing to be who we truly are with some courage, patience, gentleness, skill. And when we open that deeply to our authentic self, We are practicing unconditioned love. That's where it comes from. It comes from silence. It comes from stillness. It is that silence and stillness. Most people, when they listen to music, they listen to the sound. Musicians, when they listen to music, listen to the silence. It's subtle. Happiness is subtle. It's not about experience. It's the willingness to allow life to be what it is. experience. There is that silence in the midst. That's where happiness is. That's where love is. That's our inheritance. That's our real inheritance. Right in the midst of the Twisted Karma. So... Third day of Sachin Making good effort let's continue to sit thank you for listening to this podcast offered by the Brooklyn Zen Center Our programs are given free of charge and made possible by the donations we receive. For more information on supporting Brooklyn Zen Center, please visit the giving section of brooklynzen.org.